0: You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Well, hello. Hi. (laughs) I totally forgot about the intro last week. I,
1: but, I didn't even think about it. I, I mean, I did, but I thought about it like earlier in the week and I was like, oh, she'll reach out to me. And then, yeah, yeah. we had that marathon trials event. Oh, yes. Saturday. That looked
0: super fun. It it was packed. So here, like the marathon trials started at 10, but here they started at seven. And so we went to this uh, bar in Seattle that's owned by a female and plays half and half. Yeah. sports, So they get a lot of women and we were like oh, you know, like, we'll see. We had 97 people RSVP'd. And then Jen, who owns the bar, was like, we've had another 20 or 30 say they were coming. Oh so, like God. 6.45, they start coming in. And it was packed. I don't I know really if you know, do that. But marathons like, are not very exciting to watch. Yeah. but Until the last six miles. But people were, like, glued to the screen. So it was really cool seeing kind of the That's runners right. and their excitement. And, and, like, when the guys won, you know, because, like, the guys... It was two really good friends that trained together. They won. Um, and they have the two spots. They haven't unlocked the third spot. So everybody clapped. But then when the women were like, they were like cheering and it was really fun. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Yeah, that was it well, That it, it was crazy. And I totally forgot. And then Lindsay was on vacation and she messaged me yesterday morning and I was like,
1: whoopsie. Sorry. I'm- and you had a birthday yesterday.
0: Yesterday was my birthday. I that's did awesome. heavy
1: squats for my birthday. Heavy squats for your birthday. I had, I got a colonoscopy for your birthday. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I, better. I'm, I was late to the, I was late to the colonoscopy party. So <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah I, my brother's like, everybody I've talked to that's my age is, is like, I did that a long time ago. I'm like, well, yeah, I know. I just,
0: yeah. My I brother was like, anyway. you've got to get one this year. It's like, oh, fine. <laughs> it's just the prep sucks but yeah, 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 that's what I hear. Yeah. It's it better goes. than the alternatives. So like it is.
1: And I mean, the prep there's, it just, it just sucks. So, and it's a long time to go without eating food. Um, The, the funny part was like, we, I get to the waiting room to go in. So like I'm at the end of my rope and and starving and the guy across from me goes over to the vending machine and gets a bag of my, of chips. And I'm like, what a
0: fucking asshole. <laughs> Is it 24 hours or 48?
1: Oh, it well, I the I my last meal was Saturday evening. And then the colonoscopy was Monday at 2. Oh gosh, so it's like 48 hours, almost 48 hours. Mhm. Yeah. Um, but I packed uh, a chicken breast and some water in my purse. <laughs> <laughs> you're like <laughs> you're done? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like <laughs> I was so hungry. Like, yeah. And I was completely loopy. It really, it would have been fun to record that. Cause, um, I'm not like the normal, like happy, like super happy person. And the nurse and Tim were both just laughing their butts off. Cause I was just like, <laughs> I, I just was all excited and I was telling him about my dream that I had when I was under. And like, I was like, let's skip, let's make it, let's play hooky the rest of the day. And I looked at the nurse, like, can I do a workout?
2: And she, like, she's just
1: like, what is this girl's issue? And she's like, yeah, sure. And I went home and took like a two and a half hour nap. So it you know, was,
0: <laughs> that's amazing.
1: None of that. But anyway, it was fun. So. Wow. Well.
2: <laughs> well, we
1: get to talk to like one of your, you you fangirled a bit
0: yeah we um we chat with Leander K, which was really funny because I had seen an article that she was doing some stuff with Pinarello and with their uh gravel collect or their collective and in gravel and I was like oh that's interesting uh but if people don't know she was the 2012 Ironman world champion and 70.3 world champion uh, she was the first woman to do that in the same year and that was when I was kind of Doing that—that was the year I did Iron Man. and so she was somebody I really looked up to. That's awesome. So it was—it was fun to chat with her. And then our the uh, woman that uh, does the quality assurance in our podcast called Lydia. She um spends time with Leanda, so she's told us some like you know just how she's helped mentor her and some cool stories along the way. So so it was really fun to chat with her and um talk about lots of things from recovery to. How do you get that mindset to go faster and um, what she's doing in the gravel scene? So, yeah. Fun stuff. We will get on to our conversation with Leanda
3: Cave. Hey, all It's your editor, Lindsay, here. I want you to get ready to ante up for the ultimate gravel challenge this summer. Join us at the 2024 Trans Rockies Gravel Royale, where adventure awaits in the breathtaking Canadian Rockies. Experience the thrill of a unique three day stage race surrounded by stunning scenery on secluded gravel roads in the British Columbia backcountry. With two distance options, the full pint or half pint distances, there's a challenge for every level of rider. And forget about logistics, Trans Rockies has you covered, fully supported with tents, meals, aid stations, technical support, and even massage services. So all you have to do is focus on the ride. You'll stay at the picturesque Nipica Mountain Resort, nestled in the heart of the Rockies, and celebrate your achievements with daily podium awards, group dinner, and custom-designed memorabilia. After the ride, you can unwind at Chillville with cold refreshments, music, games, and camaraderie with your fellow riders. Don't miss out on this epic adventure. Register now at transrockiesgravelroyale.com and use the code GGG24 GR100, to save $100 off your entry. The link and discount codes will be in the show notes of this episode. Embrace the challenge, conquer the gravel, and create memories that will last a lifetime. So go all in with us for Trans-Rocky's Gravel Royale this August.
1: Once again, not finding the
0: record button. Come on, Catherine. I did (laughs) find the record
1: button. I finally (laughs) found the record button. (laughs)
0: um okay I'm really excited about today's guest because uh back in my triathlon days she was somebody that I really really admired and I hear she's going a little bit off-road now so um we're really excited to have Leanda Cave joining us today thanks for having me yeah (laughs) thanks for being here um well Leanda we always start just asking people how they got their start on the bike but um considering that you're a multi-time world champion maybe we should ask you kind of how you came up through sport and how you got to gravel or off-road cycling
2: <laughs> well that's a you know, three-part question so um triathlon was kind of more of an like a organic of uh, a development from my childhood um I wanted to be a, a swimmer uh didn't quite have it because I started late Um, But I did do a lot of other sports um, to cross train. So I did running and then I did some cycling, which was at the time mostly cycling cycling to school. Um, But that kind of translated eventually into doing triathlons. Um, And then I was lucky enough at a young age to have role models. And I think that's really important in the development of any athlete that I got to see and be exposed to um, other young female professional triathletes who are from where I was from at the time. Um, and I got to have like this idea of what being a pro was um, and how to train and all those things. So it really appealed to me. And so I kind of became on this pursuit after that uh, to be professional at triathlon, but it's always not so easy. Um, there's a, you know, the long road was a lot of hours working to save money, to get myself, um, abroad and to, um, to travel to events. Uh, but that's in a, in a nutshell, kind of how I evolved at being, um, being a professional triathlete. I do need a slip in there that my sister started first. Uh, she likes to to stake that claim. And I'm sure if she listens to this, she'll be like, you, mentioned that. you started triathlon because of me, but, Um, But yeah, I saw my sister doing them and I was like, huh, that looks pretty cool. I want to do that too. And yeah, that was kind of one of the reasons I also started triathlon. Um, And I was young, I was 14, maybe 15, doing the Iron Kids events in my area and in Australia. And um, eventually just started, um, you know, slipping into bigger and bigger events, longer distances. And, and then, the ultimate which was Man as a pro um and to answer your question about mountain bike and gravel <laughs> um you know i've had a desire for a long time especially since retiring from triathlon to to explore other modalities of cycling so mm. I, I really really love cycling But it's kind of, sometimes it loses its allure. Um, And I also really love challenges. And I was always challenged when I was a professional athlete because I was always racing. And so now with gravel and with mountain bike, I'm challenging myself just because of doing the sports themselves, as well as some of these events that I've got coming up. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Um, I think the thing that you glossed over maybe is your (laughs) full time, full time world champion, um, what was the first year you won the Ironman world championship?
2: The first year and and the only year I just need to point that out, um, which was 2012. I did win the 70.3 that same year. Um, I have the four, the four world titles. I have one in the Olympic distance, one in the ITU long distance, um, the half Ironman, and the full Ironman. Yeah. So
0: 2012 was the year I did an Ironman, and I that's why I like I was obsessed with all things Ironman, and that's like you were just the woman to, for everybody to know about, and so um, that's why I say like I've just I've kind of followed you for a long time and what you've done. So thank you for being an inspiration to me when I was like baby triathlete trying to figure it all out.
2: Yeah. Well, like I said before, like that, I had inspirations when I was young and I was starting out and I think role models are, are a key to anyone who wants to succeed and perform at a, um, at any level, honestly, but um, especially for me at the time when I was wanting to be a pro and wasn't quite um, aware or, you know, at that level yet. How many world championships does your sister have? Oh, oh, she has world championships in in support cheerleading. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she's she was there at most of my races, actually, including the year I won in Kona. Um, That's awesome. And she's my biggest fan, so yeah. Does she still live in Australia? No, she's in the UK now. Okay. So I, I mean, backstory: I was actually born in the UK, um, huh? and yeah, and actually raced for Great Britain when I was a pro. Okay. was oh, fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what brought you to Tucson? Um, for the second time.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> well, I know on- that's like triathlon mecca, right? Like, so yeah. What's, what's, well, what's,
2: what's, honest, that, that was. Tucson was on my radar only because I had a friend who was um, here every winter. She was Canadian Um, and I met her in Australia and she's like, Leanne, you should come to Tucson and train with me over the winter and, and start doing half Ironmans and Ironmans. And I was like, sure, that sounds great. Uh, (laughs) So Uh, I came and joined her for a training camp. And then I kept coming back for training camps. And eventually I was like, you know what? I'm just going to move here. It's dry. It's awesome. The weather's amazing. I I first landed in San Francisco when I moved to the US um, and it was always raining actually kind of what the weather they're having right now. And I was just like, I, I can't live. It's just like, I might as well go back to the UK. So, um, so Tucson was just this amazing place with it was affordable. It had everything you needed to train. It was um, it was just something that, to me, like lent itself to being, you know, the perfect training venue. Um, and so that's kind of where I moved here originally. And then um, after my triathlon career, I left I well, left a little bit before, before I retired, and then I came back last year to open a um, sports recovery center um, called Innovative Alternative Clinic, um, which was founded by a friend. He's a he's a um, avid athlete, not professional by any standards, but um, it was something that he really wanted to explore. And um, me and my and my other half, we jumped on board with that. Very cool. I,
0: I, when I was reading through some stuff about you, you had talked about how that's become really important because of like, it wasn't necessarily important early in your career. And now you see kind of the value of it. And I would love, we talked a lot about that, especially as you get a little older, <laughs> like how important recovery is and how important that actually is to the training process. So what are maybe some, well one what is your clinic to do? and maybe what are some of the things you've learned about recovery?
2: Well I think you yeah, know as we get older we identify it much more easily than young athletes who bounce back and do another training session within like at max speed within you know hours of finishing one. Yeah. Uh and and that is probably what I feel um has made it probably especially for professional athletes, not such a huge um, uh, thing they spend or invest money on um, because they think they're, you know, they're invincible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're young and they they can bounce back very quickly. Um, However, I do feel, especially when I became an older athlete racing against some of these young kids, there was something missing and it was the recovery. And I found there was such a limited availability of recovery modalities that you could find in one location. And so mostly the reason why we've opened this um, is to provide all all the things that we can cutting edge stuff, you know, forward, like things that most places you can't even find some of these things that we have here in Tucson, Um, just putting them under one roof. So Mm. people have access Um, access is the biggest problem. I mean, you shouldn't have to join a spa to, or a country club to have access to some of these recovery modalities, and that's what it seems like in a lot of places. So, I mean, we have this clinic here, and, I mean, ultimately it would be great to have one um, or, you know, have several around the country, but um, but I do see them popping up um, in other places, which which is great. Uh, and we have, I think, our most common treatment that we have is, um, or we treat people with, is the human tech radio frequency. And that's only just been FDA approved in the US. So we're the only licensed clinic in Arizona and Colorado to have this. Um, and it's what all the pros are using in Europe. Like all the pro cyclists who come here in the winter to train know all about it. And they're coming in to see us because they can't get it anywhere else and they know how good it is for recovery. Um, we have cold plunge cryotherapy, uh, red light therapy, um, obviously stretching. Um, and, you know, I know that IVs are not allowed for, um, athletes, but we do do IVs for, um, people who, you know, just general wellness people who want to have longevity and, um, and also recover from day to day. We offer IVs.
1: And is that like a pay per service or is there, I mean, yeah. you, you mentioned, okay. So it's like, it's not, you don't have to have a membership.
2: No, no, you pay per, per treatment or there's, you know, a variety of,
1: um, packages
2: for, for, um, yeah. If you kind of want to combine a few different, uh, therapies.
0: I might be stopping there on my drive from Washington state to Patagonia. To yeah. recover <laughs>
1: to- I need some recovery. <laughs> <to survive.
2: laughs> yes. Yeah, Bright you up <laughs> Yeah, in between camps, go up
0: there for a little recovery. Yeah. R&R. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um,
1: um, yeah, I do I'm- think it's interesting. Sorry. Like, I, I think it's like, we just really hit on it where, you know, when I think about the younger athlete, my younger self, where I was just like, I didn't stretch. I didn't, I, even though like I knew I was supposed to, it, I never felt like I needed it. Um, because I could just bounce back and do the next workout. And now it's just like, wow, I can't even, it's a different, it's a different body. It's a different mindset. It's like, yeah yeah and I wonder what it would have been like if I would have stretched and done all of those things <laughs> I was a younger athlete
2: well I did it's funny I did and it's still you know it still doesn't change the fact that you know as we age our tendons get shorter and our muscles reduce in size and then all these you know things it's just so we kind of yeah we have to like be more proactive as we get older not yeah. just kind of complacent like we were when we we're young and and get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I find myself having
0: to remind myself, like, oh, you, like, I go to CrossFit a lot. And um sometimes I want to keep up with the 20 something years old. And sometimes I do. And sometimes I can beat them. But then other times I'm like, no, I need to actually back off today because they can come back tomorrow if they smash themselves. And I can't. Yeah.
2: So. Yeah. I've actually joined CrossFit too. Um, and, There's like some pretty intense classes. I go to the basic and I'm one of the youngest in my class and there's most of us are women. There's only like two men who consistently show up. The rest is like six or seven women. So I I mean, for me, it's, it's again, like showing that education around um, what in particular, someone who wants an active lifestyle as they get older, what the necessary things are that they need to do. And one of those is strength. And I think CrossFit mm. is beautiful in that it combines a bit of strength cardio and some, you know, mobility all in one place. Efficient. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I was going to ask you about that. And maybe that your answer is strength. But if somebody's listening at home and they're like, well, I don't have this like really rad mobility or recovery space to go to, but what are like a few things you say? everybody start implementing these things into your weekly routine. That'll help you.
2: Um, I think, yeah, I would definitely like say strength, um, stretching. Um, Those are easy things you can do at home. Um, I think finding headspace every day. Now that can come in the form of just, you know, simply meditating. But I think. A lot of people say they don't have time for that. I honestly, my headspace is doing something on my own without my phone, and that's often a workout. I mean, i I find a lot of um, th- there's a lot of therapeutic benefit in um, using a workout as a um, as a way to meditate, um, and wow. I think that's something that a lot of people don't really do enough of is just like shut the world out and give yourself time every day god
1: that's it's so incredible (laughs) that's definitely where my headspace comes from and i just couldn't i can't it's one of my biggest fears of getting injured
2: so you don't have that physical time where you're just within your own head nobody wants to be around me if I don't have that. So <laughs> I, I, got in, I was injured and I, I got hit by a car door when I was riding my bike a couple of years <sighs> ago and I fractured my pelvis. And I tell you the house was never so clean because I ended up having to shift that energy that I was using for, um, like that mental and, and the physical energy that I, 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 Liked and enjoyed. I had to find it somewhere, and I found like cleaning the house is somewhat therapeutic.
1: <laughs> God, that's a good tip. I need to remember that in case it happens, because that would be.
2: <laughs> yeah, I sometimes
1: am the same. Well, like this is a totally different topic, but like sometimes I will clean before I do my workout because I'm like the house is a mess and I can't work out until the house is at a certain <laughs> level but it, like, that's that's called oh. procrastination that is productive a lot of things before especially
0: if it's the trader
1: i'm like oh, uh, need i, really, I need to clean this kitchen before i hop on the bike
0: <laughs> i really need to do the dishes yeah
2: um
0: well the other thing since you uh, have such a long history in sport uh that i wanted to ask you about is something christine i've talked a good bit about is um you know, I don't, well, I don't know that you would know, but Christy works with lifetime events. So Unbound was her baby. She helped start that event. Um, and then like a lot of the lifetime events are built to be really hard events. Um, and so people get intimidated or they're like, I'm not going to be fast enough to finish that course. And so, you know, we've just talked about like what women, well, Christy, why don't you explain it? You explain it better than me.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's, I think it's the, it, it comes to me from a, perspective of where, how I came into the sport where understanding, um, you know, what it is to just to, to be someone that completes an event and somebody that competes in an event. And I think there's a difference there. And I think a lot of times, um, it's one thing that we, that we're struggling with, with women, I'm hoping things like the grand Prix. And as we continue to elevate the professionalism of women cyclists in the sport, off-road cyclists in the sport, that we're also raising the awareness of, you know, a, what it means to be fast on the bike for a woman and, and B that it's okay to be fast on the bike for a woman and maybe c how do you bridge that gap? If you're interested in that, like, you know, what, what takes you from, you know, averaging 12 miles an hour, which is if that's what you're want to do, I'm, you know, I don't want to take anything away from that because I think there's a space for all of it. But, but what if you want to see what, what you can do? Like what, if you want to tap into the next level or, you know, just for, for the physical challenge or the mental challenge of it, you know, what does that look like? Um, and I don't, I don't really see an outlet for it right now, you know, so specifically, um, it's almost like a, I was watching what Alexi Vermulen's doing with, with him, like picking two cyclists to help them bridge the gap from being an amateur to a pro, you know, what, what is, what is there for women that are, you know, want to do that? Like,
0: how do you get what fast? Should what should we do, Leanda? <laughs> I'll also catch this in saying Sarah Gross told me that you have not only this like the trading skills but you have one of the best mindsets she's ever known me instead of a cha- champion yeah
2: yeah I mean look I've I've always I've, I've always kept things fun and I think that's helped the yeah. longevity of my career but I also feel like um if and I, I was talking uh to Catherine before about this I can't be that person who's like Oh, I wonder how it is to get faster because I've already already been there and I yeah. I'm only going to get slower. Um let's just I'm just going to clarify that. But I feel like when I when I see people like especially women coming to the sport, I think there's there's two mindsets. The male mindset is very different from the female mindset. The men who might be a couch potato or or potatoes, a guy who's just sitting around drinking beer on the weekend, he'll probably say quite openly, oh, I can do an Ironman any day of the week. A woman will be like, no, I'm not fit. I'm not too overweight. uh, They're just, there's all this like negative um, energy around, like making a statement about what they can and cannot do. And I think, um, what I try to encourage women to do is um, is to take those small steps. Um, when you think too big and too large, most women, they think themselves out of um, doing something. And so I think getting entry-level things, like for, for a lot of women, are necessary. Um, not for men, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> men can go do that Man, but women I feel like need a little bit more like of a stepping stone to reach those those larger goals um and I and I was always an athlete who um who was about longevity I I had an 18 year career as a professional for a reason it wasn't like I was going to cook and kill myself within the first three years and be burnt out so I always enabled myself um to have Um, Time off, have friends, enjoy the fun things in life, um, but also really concentrate on on the big picture um, about winning big races when I wanted to um, step it up. And so I think having a more holistic approach to professional sports or reaching the big goals um, is really important rather than focusing too much on, on a strict diet, um, a strict regime of getting up at five every morning, a strict regime of going to bed at eight every night, you know, these things really limit someone's longevity in Mm. sport and really make it more of a chore than something that's enjoyable. And I think that really, in the ultimate perspective, like picture, it's, it's creating um, a burnout rate that's much faster than for someone who, who maintains a more fun approach to, to sport. For
1: sure. I do yeah. like, I mean, talking, you talking about that makes me think of, I was talking with Vanessa Hoswald at one point about, about NICA and how specifically they're really tailoring that more towards the fun side than the competitive side because they want, they don't want to see those ki- kids burn out on the sport. And, you know, I think you can enter those routines at first, they're fun because you're seeing results, um, and it's effective, but then it becomes, it just becomes a chore and your life becomes boring. And quite frankly, you probably become a little boring along with it. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but you meet a lot of athletes and they're really, they don't have much to talk about um i would (laughs) i met so many people in my career as an athlete and most of those people who i um i identified most with were not athletes at all and i think just because it's like you you learn that the other things in life are, are equally as important and also at that level of performance when you're when you're super um on top of that you know the pyramid when you're up here like you could be an athlete or you could be someone running a company. You've, you've both got the same mindset. You're you're both thinking like the same along the same wavelengths. Yeah. I really like that. I think, and I hope this doesn't happen in gravel because I've seen it
0: so much in triathlon. It's like, people are like, I'm going to do an Ironman. And then they do, which kind of, did, I did this too, but I did like, I kept racing halves and stuff, but like, but then they just like leave the sport forever and I just hope that Gravel doesn't get to that space because we have, you know, where it's like, I'm going to do Unbound and like, that's going to be the thing instead of like loving the process and loving all the different experiences that you can have. Because really it's consistency over time, right? Is how you.
2: Yeah. And I mean, that's what I love, what Lifetime of doing with these, you know, the Unbound and everything. I feel like they're really opening um, pathways for people to stay, um, stay entertained because I mean, for me, like. I'm, I'm super excited about doing uh, an event. That's not a triathlon It's on a mountain bike. I'm super excited about doing a gravel event Um, where Mari and I, we're, we're hosting a gravel camp uh, over Memorial weekend. Like I'm super excited about doing that, which is definitely something out of my wheelhouse that I've not done before. Um, I'm doing, yeah. Like possibly Leadville if I qualify, like these things are super exciting for me. Um, And no, I mean, if you if if I put triathlon in the mix, you can do it all. Like you can, yeah. you can be like a great gravel, uh, great gravel athlete, mountain biker, triathlete. Because you know we're all endurance endurance sports, uh, fanatics at the end of the day, um, and and one sport always crosses over to the other. Yeah,
0: exactly. Well, uh, you, so you recently started working with Pinarello. Is that new for this year or have you had a relationship with them in the past? Cause I know that's how you and Mari have kind of connected on these events you're doing. Yeah.
2: So, well, what I love, so I'm, I'm, I'm a part of what we call the Pinarello collective. That's a very new program. They've had the Pinarello scuderia for, for a while, but the Pinarello collective is super new. So they're targeting different regions in the U S and it's just a one tier level, but it's more about inclusive um, cycling, um, having rides that, um, epic rides that people are excited to turn up for, um, and maybe mo- like for, for Tucson right now, it's a lot of out of towners who might not know where to ride or, um, where to go or what group to join. And so with the collective, we're providing, um, options, um, for Tucson, there's also one in, um, on the East coast, Northeast, I should say. Um, and then also on the, in the Northwest. Um, And so you've got like options now where you can look up all the information on the website and find rides to do in the regions that you might be um, interested in either going to or that you live in right now um, that you might not have um, done before, but also meeting like-minded people. And, you know, we talked about, um, you know, that the women and, and people getting into a sport and they don't really know how to start or where to go or who to learn from. So my goal is to, as being, you know, one of the leaders in the collective is to educate, uh, to make sure that we encourage beginners and teach them just basic skills, basically like how to change a flat, how to corner, how to um, break properly in a group, all those sorts of things that make them more, a more confident rider so they can explore um, cycling at a bigger level and maybe uh, eventually get to the point where they want to do some, some racing or events. That's awesome. And then you and Mario are doing some camps too, right? Yeah. So we, so <laughs> I have a, so we're doing some rides. I've got a ride in, this, this weekend, um, in, um, in LA. I'm not sure it's, if it's going to be still flooded or not. Um, hopefully not. It's, um, it's actually with, it's called serious cycling. And then we have, um, we have a camp in Vail over Memorial Weekend, gravel camp. I think that's going to be like epic. I mean, yeah, women's only. So um, we're really just, again, like encouraging women who possibly would, would be more intimidated by having um, men around um, or just need some entry level um, tips to get into the gravel scene a little bit more to come and um, and experience gravel riding um in a really fun um and un, inhibiting environment yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that's the word yeah I love I, I mean to get to ride with you and Mari you know, like, <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> people forget like Mari was like the first one of the first gold medal gold medalists for the US Born silver but she was the first medalist because she was one, of the, first she was one yeah. of the first women to go in cycling
2: yeah. I mean, she's kind of a legend and she's also a great person and she's got so much uh, time and patience for, for offering um, help and advice uh, to people. Um, and I think, yeah, a lot of people really appreciate um, spending time with Mari because she's just so giving with all the information and um, experience that she's, she has. Yeah. Yeah. We had her on the podcast as a guest couple of years ago she's, i think
1: she's very welcoming and just very approachable like you kind of think that maybe she wouldn't be but she's totally approachable and that's yeah. Yeah, very kind soul and also it, her dog it, is usually in her purse so. which mm-hmm. is the best <laughs> i think her dog passed away oh i'm sorry
2: yeah
0: yeah little yeah. beetle
1: yeah. yeah
0: he would always be at like the vents in her little bag yeah, he's cutie well, maybe she'll have a new puppy at her purse. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's, uh, I love that. So if people are interested in finding out more about your all's events or the Pinarello rides, where should they,
2: where do they go? They can go to my website, leandacave.com. Okay. They awesome. can go to Pinarello. I think most of it's always on my social media. Um, I, I I think I post a lot. Yeah. <laughs> So most of the, the places you typically go to, to find information, you'll find it there. Um, but yeah. Um, and yeah, anyone who we, anyone who comes to any of the rides or events, you know, we, we have like, we always have incentives. So that's always making it fun, like giveaways and things like that. So, you know, people don't just turn up, they, they get, you know, more than they ever expected. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Giveaways are always good. All yeah. Right. yeah I'm really I'm excited I mean I, my history with Pinarello goes back I was I won Kona on my pil- on a Pinarello so um so oh, I'm wow. well, excited yeah I'm excited to be riding and representing Pinarello again um and yeah I've always loved their bikes and um yeah I'm really <laughs> their bikes are freaking beautiful like
1: they're, they're literally nice works of art
2: yeah. I, I always said when, even before, when I was sponsored by them, like it's, it's bike bling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and I know like the, the price point of bikes in general these days is kind of a lot, but you know, I spend more time on my bikes than I do doing anything else, to be honest. Yep. So I mean, I don't have like the 10, $15,000 fancy handbag. I have a bike. That's what I, that's what I am sorry like I wear, <laughs> I wear my bike. That's kind of like what I really, um, you know, would, want to be spending and putting money into is something that i'm using every day yeah it's funny because when you talked
0: about like the guys will just sign up for an iron and i'm also like the guys will also go out and buy the ten thousand dollar bike
2: yeah guys don't have a concept of money like (laughs) i send my i send my other half out to go shopping and he buys the most expensive everything i'm like you know there was like a cheaper you know and he goes oh i didn't look i didn't look at the prices i just picked what I wanted. The only <laughs> place I do that is at the grocery store. yeah. Well, I mean, the only
1: place that I don't like work, like I don't worry of necessarily. Well, like, I mean, I still look, but like, that, that's the only place I don't necessarily like comparison shop. I'm like, I need good food to fuel my body. I'm not going to worry about what the head of lettuce costs. Like, do, you know, I mean, but like anything else. Yeah. But he,
2: He'll go to, he'll go to whole foods.
0: i was gonna say christy doesn't have a whole foods in emporia this is the
2: (laughs) (laughs) this is where the difference is you'll go to whole foods and buy paper towels i'm like you don't go to whole foods to buy paper towels no 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 work they don't soak up anything yeah you know he'll go to whole foods instead of like going to like a walgreens or whatever like but he just he's like yeah it's just where i want to shop and get my stuff (laughs) That's amazing. <laughs> i'm thinking of
1: so many stories when you bring this up right now I'm like yeah. we could like start a whole list of like yeah that my husband's shopping habits compared to mine are compl- like night and day night and day so and the, it's the same with the racing like when when we both were actively racing like i was literally like budgeting and mm-hmm. he'd just sign up for i'm like that what the heck i how like are we getting a hotel like what like how is this happening like nope just sign up
2: yeah yeah My half does that too his name's michael he'll sign up for for a triathlon and have maybe a 50 50 um idea of actually racing it but he's signed up for many and never gone so <laughs> I'm like if i'm signed up i'm doing it i'm just like this mindset like i'm i'm doing everything i say i'm gonna do that's just yeah maybe that's the OCD leading <laughs> me i don't know but
1: well we know but, you're not the oldest child so that's not
2: it. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. I'm the oldest child my sister is so yeah <laughs> yeah
0: well um well where you said you're going to be racing sea otter and hopefully leadville what else what else will we see you doing this year
2: Oh, so I also have um, a couple of charity rides that I'm doing. The one's coming up actually soon. That's the uh, the Dolphin Challenge Cancer in Miami. I've done that for the last several years in a row. Uh, that's to raise money for um, cancer research. And then I'm also doing the Chafe 150. Um, that's going to be in June, I think. And that's also a charity ride to raise raise money for um, learning and reading uh, for children. Um, and I'm doing a 24 hour mountain bike relay in like two weeks. I think, um, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there for the fun of it. I really am. I'm not where, if my team is relying on me to be decent at this, then I'm, I'm going to let them down. Um, and yeah, the, the otter race um, Leadville fingers crossed, but that's all I can think of. I, I'm, I, I sign up for things randomly too. Um, I, I have like some running races that I still like to do every now and then, um, locally just to, um, run, have someone to give me water and food along the way. (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> not to be competitive um so there's a there's a bunch of those here in the area in tucson um so yeah that's that's kind of just what i'm Probably
0: doing that would be perfect for something like crusher christy oh yeah <laughs> what's crusher crusher in the tusher
1: it's in oh. beaver utah and it's um supposedly the bill for it it's the 60 it's the hardest 69 mile race in the u.s it's just it's a boatload of timing. What? Bike race. Bike race. Oh yeah. Gravel. Gravel. And lots of this. Oh, very cool. Yeah.
3: yeah. Lots of a you
2: yeah. Go up
1: box of hills. The finish is mean. It's just flat out mean. It sounds perfect for you. <laughs> I just I literally like when I when I rode, when I drove the finish line, I for the first time I was like, this is literally not nice <laughs>
2: so. I have to admit the one thing that I don't like doing since retiring is hurting myself too much and Lydia Russell I know you know her like I'll go yeah. running with her and I'm like I don't want to go hard I'm doing everything easy I don't want to hurt is <laughs> also
0: like 20 something like that and like a very good triathlete so yeah she she um does the assurance on our podcast so she listens she, she's forced to listen to us every week
2: yeah exactly. thank you lydia yeah the young youth that that's that, awesome that yeah generation that can recover
0: yes yes
2: well um we really
0: appreciate you hanging out with us and yeah. it's fun uh catching up and sorry i confused australia and the uk
2: oh no that's fine I was born in the UK and lived in Australia you were in Australia for a while (laughs) yeah um in fact one of my what I my last job job before I became a pro triathlete was working at Australia Zoo for Steve Irwin oh yeah you guys know Steve Irwin yeah he was my boss so um yeah and then you know he passed but um yeah he was he was the last so I, I had fun um working there at the zoo um for him um uh, that was a, always good fun um but yeah I, I spent um I think about 16 years living in
0: Australia it makes sense now that you say because I'm like the accent does sound like both when you talk
3: yeah like, it's my a little British,
2: more like to you. My, when I go see my parents, they're like, "Oh my god, you sound American." <laughs> <laughs> when I'm in when I'm in here I'm in the U S., people think I sound Australian, and when I'm in Australia, they think I sound British. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. I can kind of hear a mix. So we don't think you sound American. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> well, um we will look forward to seeing a sea otter, or maybe you'll sneak down to Patagonia. Yeah, over
2: yeah, I think you will. I, I it's beautiful down there, and it's so close. So um, a lot of people go down there most weekends to ride gravel right now. So um, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. No problem. Thanks, guys.
0: You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast.